when I get raptured, you can have my tractor. When I get raptured, it'll be real swell. When I get raptured, you can have my tractor. Cause I'm going to heaven and you'll be going to hell. Hey, this is Jordan Robert Kirk. Welcome to the JRK Podcast. Man, it has been a crazy week. We are stripping cotton in the thick of it, but because it didn't rain all year, we don't have much to strip, and yet, Crosby, stop snoring, buddy. Uh, we don't have much to strip. Um like I said, but now we've gotten so much moisture that our humidity is staying in the 60-70% range and we really need it to be below 50 at least. We like it to be even lower than that just uh, for the stripper not to get bogged down and for the bowl to crack real good and kind of get separated from the lint. So um, I've been running around selling some corn Y'all come get some, eleven fifty a bag is sort of the price I've settled on. If you want a whole pallet, I will sell you a whole pallet for $11 a bag, which is about $550 because it's 2,500 pounds. It's 50, 50 pound bags. Um, also go to jordanrobertkirk.com to pick up uh, some merch. Uh, Christmas is right around the corner be so awesome if y'all would hit up the merch store um, hit me up directly if you'd like I still have some vinyl records for my 2021 release Western Holler I still have some caps um, and then there's t-shirts long sleeves and pocket tees on the website with the JRK brand uh, logo so yeah y'all do that uh, what else yep Go to Jordan Robert Kirk on Spotify, Apple, uh, stream the music, please uh, download. If you purchase from iTunes directly, that helps even more. Um, as well as uh, make sure to like and subscribe to the JRK podcast on Apple and Spotify. And leave a five-star review. I'll tell you what, those really do make a difference. So please uh, get after it. Hit that five-star review. Mash the like button. And leave a comment. Um, I hope y'all enjoyed my rapture poem. Uh, I'll just start off with saying, I think the popularity of the rapture and the eschatology surrounding it has permeated majority of the majority of Protestant Christianity at least in America um, to the point of I think the majority of people loosely believe it because we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, the different prophecies and the minor prophets and what all those things mean and because of the popularity of books such as the Left Behind series which I read in middle school and maybe a little bit in high school, it might have been 
might have finished them before I got to high school. But they popularized basically that eschatology. I'll say that again, eschatology. I don't know if I've already said it. Eschatology, um, by my lay definition, is just the study of the end times. Um, basically, what does the book of Revelation mean? How does it apply to our lives? And I've mentioned this before. We all remember the uh, horrific attack by um, Hamas, the terrorist organization in the Gaza Strip, on the Israelis back in October, on October 7th, I believe the day was. It was horrific. The response by Israel Israel has been... um, uh, I guess sufficient more than sufficient they have blown up a lot of stuff killed a lot of people um, Hamas is being funded by Iran as well as Qatar as well as possibly Turkey which is the biggest funding funder I believe for Hezbollah which is another terrorist organization And I learned recently, actually, Israel is also funding Hamas and uh, some of their leaders, such as um, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister, has advocated to fund Hamas in the past. And that alone should at least give us pause. Why in the world would the leader of Israel want to fund a terrorist organization that's that's whose charter in the 80s is is where the popular slogan from the river to the sea Palestine will be free basically calling for a genocide of the um, nation of Israel uh, which goes without saying I think the majority of people are against even though indoctrinated college kids on campuses and um those of a certain ilk are chanting um, sort of in a brain-dead fashion. But what I've also learned is some of the oldest Christians in the world are in Gaza. Some of those with the actually highest percentage of of native um, genes from the area are actually in Gaza not in Israel though there is some the highest and some of the highest is in Gaza some of the oldest Christians some of the oldest churches are all in the Gaza Strip um, which is controlled by Hamas which is the Palestinian Authority which we America um, mostly Joe Biden I guess because uh, different presidents turn the spigot on and off and Joe Biden turned it back on so we're funding them as well go figure it complicates things. Now, that's a lot of a, a backstory. To say, I, it's really puzzled me. It's really, it's been very confusing. I mean, we all remember back in 2020, those who sort of go with the flow, it, which I would not count myself among that crowd, put up a black square. Um, which was seemed a little bit on the nose to say you support Black Lives Matter. Um, the organization 
I think a lot of people just said, yeah, black lives do matter, which I think nobody could really argue with that. And then if you say all lives matter, at the time that was racist, and now I think it's not anymore. I've lost sort of track of that. But I think I will just say this as a Christian in the eyes of God, all lives do matter. Um, to get away from that political slogan, we are all equal in the eyes of God. We are all made in the image of God. And if you are in Christ Jesus, you are an image bearer, right? And I think um, you have been grafted in if you're a Gentile. Um, if you're in Christ Jesus as a Jew, uh, you are still grafted in. And that's sort of what we're getting to right now. That's, that's Romans 11. If you want to uh, turn there with me, I'm not actually... I'm just kind of going off the top of the dome uh, because I think a lot of y'all appreciate that a little more rather than my very in-depth uh, transcripts and monologues that I've been writing. So I'm trying to stick with that to keep it a little, keep things a little bit simpler. But what I what I have come to realize and has been somewhat irritating to me is when the lines get drawn, when the the black squares come out for Black Lives Matter. When the Ukraine flags come out on people's profiles and emojis and everything else to say we support Ukraine, um, now the Israeli, uh, the modern Israeli flag, not the, the ancient, you know, flag of Israel, the modern Israeli flag with the uh, Star of David on it, the blue and the white, has come out. It's um, the response is it seemed a little bit odd to me. And I say that um, not as somebody who is against Israel. Um, when we, when the slogan, you know, the the common saying, they're our most important ally uh, in the Middle East. Uh, although you could debate about what is the Middle East, they're the Near East. What are they? The ancient Near East. That area, they are an ally that sort of stands out. They are much more like us in their beliefs, perhaps. Uh, than the countries surrounding them, although plenty of those countries are allies as well. Um, so, let me let me reel it back in. I hope I'm not chasing too many rabbit trails. But the topic I really wanted to sort of think about is eschatology. I posted a question on Facebook uh, a few days ago. I, if if y'all are friends with me on Facebook, I apologize, and I share this podcast on Facebook as well. But um, I'd like to stir the pot. And the question I said is, can a people group still be God's chosen people? Can a people group still be God's chosen people if they reject God incarnate? And that's something that I've been thinking about. If you believe um, in basic you know, Christian I think it would be theology. You believe that Jesus was God incarnate. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. He said before Abraham was, I am. Many such examples. If you believe in the basic, basic doctrine of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Godhead, three in one, the triune God, then that's sort of where you would fall. Um, and the modern Judaism does not. Uh, you know, they consider us to be um, much different than them. Although we can find some solidarity, it's more of a political thing to use the term Judeo-Christian values. 
Uh, I think mostly people mean the Ten Commandments when they say that because past that our beliefs get very different because we believe God came as the Messiah to save all humanity. And, you know, not to get too contentious, but that's where I think uh, we do we do differ the most. We believe in Jesus. They do not. Actually, the Talmud has some very harsh things to say about Jesus, which is sort of their New Testament, their more modern post-Old Testament book. Whereas we have the New Testament, they sort of have the Talmud. They have a, a framing for the Old Testament. Our framing is the New Testament. We look back and we see the prophecies of Jesus. They look back and they do not. And so the thing that has been befuddling to me is the eschatology of dispensationalism. And I'm not going to go into hard and hard and fast um, definitions. I am going to play a little bit fast and loose definitions. But dispensationalism is a very, um, very recent and modern interpretation of Revelation. It is a little bit complex. And I do think, I also think it's sort of the, um, from a plain reading, it's the, the one that's the hardest to see unless you've already been told about it. Um, you have to interpret a lot of things, possibly, you know, every, every, every eschatology is, is convoluted because none of them are plain. Whereas some interpret some, interpret some things literally and some things figuratively, sometimes another would flip those and interpret some things literally, some things figuratively. And so I'm not going to get too quickly into, uh, too, too deep into dispensationalism other than to say it was popularized um, in 1905 by being included in the Schofield, if I'm saying that word, S-C-O-F-F-S-C-O-F-F-I-E-L-D, Bible. But before that it was um, preached and sort of espoused by a guy named Darby. D-A-R-B-Y, Darby, if y'all want to go look up a little more information on that whole theory. Um, and also, one of the, you know, the study Bible that I personally have is the MacArthur, John MacArthur Study Bible. He is a um, Reformed, uh, you know, Calvinist-leaning, I guess. I'm not exactly sure what he would call himself. But he sort of leans that way, and uh, I always thought he was Baptist. I should have probably looked this up to be to be sure. But he is a dispensationalist, and I did not know that because I love my study Bible. I've had it for several years. I got it for twenty bucks at um, what is that store? Second and Charles. Second and Charles Hartley's in the room with me. Uh, that used bookstore. I got it there a while back. But, you know, I saw it, it was talking about dispensationalism in some of the footnotes, which is, you know, study Bibles are half footnotes, the, the pages, a lot of times taken up all the way, halfway or even higher with footnotes and maps and different references. Very um, helpful. I would actually highly recommend it even, um, even though I'm fixing to say that I, I personally no longer really agree with it. And I sort of made a you know, joke about the rapture, um, saying that you can have my tractor because you're probably not going to get raptured because you're going to go to hell. Uh, 
Of course, that is just a joke, and I'm not talking to anybody in particular. But uh, like I said, I highly respect uh, John MacArthur, but I disagree with him here. And one of the main reasons why I started to even question uh, dispensationalism was after I'd read all of these Left Behind books popularized by, uh, written by Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins. Uh, Jerry B. Jenkins is the father of Dallas Jenkins, who's the creator of The Chosen. Um, some of y'all love that, some of y'all hate it, some of y'all never heard of it. But it's a popular uh, Jesus TV show just going through, I believe it's following the book of Mark. I've enjoyed it. Um, I don't take it as gospel because they do have to fill in a lot of gaps. But it is it is entertaining and it, it is uh, makes me want to read my Bible more. So I personally enjoyed it. Some of y'all may uh, want to send me a message and say, you're wrong, you shouldn't watch it, Chosen. Okay, let me know why. That'll be a good conversation to have. But after I had read these Left Behind books, sorry, I keep chasing rabbit trails. That's why I was I probably like to write things down more. But after I'd read these Left Behind books, um, I had immediately found out that the idea of dispensationalism and the rapture were both very recent ideas in the history of the church. Um, and if you go back and look, one of the last books to be added to the official canon. Um, you know, maybe 150, 100 and so many years after the majority of the Bible had sort of been compiled into what we now have as as, uh, as the Bible, Revelation was one of the last ones. There could because there was a lot of um, discussion over it and what it meant. And um, the the original interpretation of it was, and I think you could probably guess. It says so often, Jesus said, I'm coming back soon. Um, and he was talking to seven churches. Uh, a, lot of le- a lot of the early part of Revelation is letters to specific churches. They mention specific people. Um, I believe Polycarp is even mentioned. Um, who's Polycarp? Y'all should look him up. Pretty, really, really interesting guy. Maybe I should do pop another podcast on him. Um, but all that being said, I learned that it was a more of a recent um, theory, uh, eschatology, a way to read Revelation. It gave me pause. Um, although I generally said, hey, you know, my, my pastor at the time, I asked him what he thought, and he said, there's three. There's sort of three different ways to take revelation that are that are common, and then there's the fourth way, which is my way. It was, if any of y'all remember, Brother Alan Barry. Um, I will never forget this, and uh, he's still around, I believe. He was at First Baptist in Idlow at the time, and he said, um, he said the fourth way means God wins. He's like, that's what I take it as, and I like that. And I think even those of us who are dispensationalists, those of us who are um, post-millennial or a-millennial. Those are two other sort of ways to look at those um, things. Pre-millennial, historical pre-millennial, uh, pre-millennial dispensationalists. There are actually a lot of different, you know, iterations even within sort of the main three pre, post, and a-millennial interpretations. Um, but, and since then I've actually heard you know, I'm actually a pan-millennial because it all pans out in the end. God wins, Jesus wins, 
and we all sort of do agree on that. Uh, Jesus is coming back. Um, when, we don't know, uh, but he is reigning or he will reign. That is sort of where the, there's some debate on that. Is he reigning now? Um, will he reign when he returns? What does that look like? Um, but like I said, I'm not going to go too deep into that. Um, now I'm 20 minutes in and I'm, i got to get to the point. Um, one thing that is, has been somewhat alarming to me is with this conflict in Israel, there are Christians, and, and so I guess some call themselves Christian Zionists, who um, almost have a love and affinity for Israel in a way that I would argue is almost unhealthy. I think, you know, when we argue about what exactly does being chosen mean. And if you want to read Romans 11, I think there's, uh, it's very instructive because it, it does say, you know, that a remnant, I think, I don't think any of us who are Christians would agree or disagree in saying that to be saved, to know God, um, we have to follow Jesus. Those who don't will not be saved. And I think, so if we do say, okay, well, Jews do not follow Jesus. Can they, what, what does that mean that they're chosen? Well, to be chosen means they have a purpose. And um, you can read in Romans, I believe it's 11, it says for the sake of the gospel, um, they are basically not chosen but for the sake of the fathers of the patriarchs of the forefathers they are and so i guess that's where we might you know agree uh to disagree or have a little wiggle room for interpretation the people that argue that israel is chosen despite rejecting god incarnate going back to my question from earlier they are chosen despite rejecting god incarnate or one would say they are not any longer they are God's chosen people but their purpose has been fulfilled because being chosen would indicate that you are chosen for a purpose what else would being chosen mean chosen for a purpose um, there is sort of it, which brings me to another uh, sort of a thought that we argue as Christians between mainly Calvinist Arminian, uh, what being chosen by God means as Christians. And, you know, a Calvinist would, would say we are predestined, um, we are the elect, and, you know, God, those who he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image and likeness of his son. And I guess the Arminian would say, um, it is our choice. It is a free will. And I guess I'm going to ride the fence pretty hard on that one. I do believe we have free will. But I also believe that there is an elect, that there are a chosen people of God. That, you know, I'm quoting a verse in Romans those he foreknew, he predestined. And I, so I, I do I believe in predestination. I believe in free will. And if you have a question about that or, or want to know more about that, please comment, send me a message, whatever. But it is interesting that I think those who are most adamantly dispensationalist are also most adamantly Armenian, 
that say we are not chosen, but Israel is. And I would, I would think that a common thread would be that if one is, both are, because that is how God works, because He is sovereign, and He is the Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, and He knows the future. He knows the past. He is in control of everything as Creator, um, of, of everything, of us, of the world. And of time itself, we believe God is, is outside of time and He can enter into time. And, you know, that gets into some pretty deep things, which I would love to talk more about if anybody... I, I know I'm touching on so many things because uh, it's late at night already on Saturday. And I wanted to put one out, put out a podcast still. Um, so, I don't want to lose my thread, though. I, I believe that... Our eschatology, whether it be premillennial dispensationalism, which is sort of the popular one that says we need to support Israel, even to the point possibly of war, sending them money to bomb uh, Gaza, uh, postmillennialism, amillennialism, which believe more that the, the thousand years is happening or has happened or there's more of a past element that maybe a lot of the things that were predicted in Revelation happened already, like the destruction of the temple uh, in 70 A.D., 40 years after Jesus died on the cross. Um, there are some of those things they get into, but I think that when we see those things, uh, when we read Revelation, it should still orient us to follow Jesus to fulfill the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples. I don't think, I personally don't think there is a geopolitical um, mandate to support Israel. I think there is a biblical mandate to support Israel. There's a biblical mandate to support the Christians in Gaza, to support the Muslims in Yemen in the sense that we want them all to come to Christ. We want all to know God. And I think if, if our eschatology causes us to shift our priorities to not have the Great Commission, to making disciples, to sharing the gospel, to being the hands and feet of Jesus, to loving others, to loving our enemies, then I think it should at least give us pause. And if I've offended anybody for, you know, talking about the recency of the idea of the rapture, um, I will quote, uh, I believe, Doug Wilson in saying, that uh, the rapture may or may not be true. I, I'm not necessarily convinced, but I am willing to change my eschatology in the air as we are raptured. Um, I, I love my dispensationalist brothers and sisters in Christ, um, my post-millennial and amillennial and pre-millennial and... and all different 
stripes of Christians that I think we, those who are in Christ, are a new creation. Uh, we see with the eyes of God. We orient our lives around the Word of God, the Bible, the Scripture that we can test life and um, everything with. We should see it through that lens and we should encourage each other to do the same. And so I think in this somewhat of a divisive topic as people are being killed um, by terrorists and, and innocents are being caught in crossfire between uh, Israel and Hamas that we should remember that uh, the ultimate goal should be for all of us to share Christ and that others may know him and that if we have the secret if we have the keys to the kingdom if we have the way to get to heaven whether it's by rapture or by tractor or by death uh, on this earth by old age surrounded by our loved ones that we need to share that we need to share Jesus and so I'll leave y'all with that I hope that uh, this has been entertaining um, I would just say to my uh, to my Protestant brothers and sisters when we criticize our Catholic uh, brethren for praying or asking for prayer to Mary and the saints. And I do believe um, for many it is idolatry if they're putting Mary or the saints before God. If they, if they only ever pray to them, sure. I would also challenge the dispensationalist in saying if your eschatology is causing you to idolize um, Israel, the, the idea of Israel from the Bible, the modern Israel that was created in 1948 that is currently in this conflict, this very serious conflict that, that has World War III implications in which many have already died and many more possibly will. If, if it causes you, um, if it causes you to orient your heart in such a way that you want the temple to be rebuilt so that the Antichrist will come. You, you're like, I'll even help build a temple myself so that the Antichrist will come and Jesus will come back. I would say, don't forget that our goal is the Great Commission and that I would argue that that is the same idolatry that we accuse our Catholic brothers and sisters of. So whether you idolize Israel or you idolize Mary or you idolize your, your hobby for me, you know, my, my music or being on the farm, I think we need to check our hearts um, and make sure that it's God there and that it's not something else. I've gone very long. Y'all have a great week. Uh, mash the like button, please. If you enjoyed this and got something out of it, I'm sure I give, I've given more questions and answers. 
please uh, send me a message. Say, hey, I want you to touch on this more. I want you to touch on this more. I would love to. And if you think, hey, man, this is the wrong kind of topic for your podcast, go a different route. Even tell me that. You're like, but you know what? I like it. Let's go get coffee and talk about it. Man, come uh, come right on the tractor with me. We're busy right now, so I can't go get coffee with you. But maybe in the spring or maybe in the wintertime when we're finished stripping cotton. Bash the like button, subscribe, send to a friend, give, give me a five-star review. The JRK Podcast, Christmas is around the corner. Excuse me, go to jordanrobertkirk.com and uh, buy some merch for some family, some friends. I got a couple of new things, not a whole lot. Buy you a vinyl record. They are awesome. It is so neat. Um, Western Holler from 2021. It's almost three years old this next month. I need to make some new music. That'll be my next episode, maybe. I'll be talking about new music. Y'all have a great week. J-R-K out.